Uh, I want to say thanks to the worship team. <clears throat> Didn't they do a great job? Yeah, they... Uh, they didn't have their fearless leader here today, and they did an amazing job. And uh, so we are, are grateful for them stepping up and doing an amazing job. And um, we are uh, grateful that Eric and Chris both got an opportunity to take a week and get away. as their anniversary this week. And so they took some time away and then are spending some time with their kids. So... Um, that is all good. We are in the middle of a series called Unwrap Your Spiritual Gifts. And uh, why are we talking about spiritual gifts? Well, in Romans 12, uh, the Apostle Paul tells us that we, the body, we form one body, and each of us are a member of that body. Uh, and we're not supposed to think that, you know, some of us are more important than the others. We all have an important role in that body. We need each other. And Paul says in Romans 12, since you have whatever the gift is he lists there, he says then use it. <laughs> Just use it. First uh, Corinthians 12, Paul has another conversation about gifts. And there he tells us that... Uh, all of us, every one of us who are followers of Jesus have been given a gift, and that gift is a manifestation of the Spirit. And when, when we mean manifestation, it's a way for the Holy Spirit to reveal uh, Himself. And these gifts are for the common good, and we are to use them to build each other up and to encourage one another. And then Paul says in Ephesians 4 that there are some who have certain gifts, and some of these certain gifts are specifically for the purpose of equipping the rest of us uh, so that we can do whatever works of service we're called to do. And when we equip at each other, uh, we become mature. How good would that be, huh? To have a mature, uh, mature church? Wouldn't that be kind of a, a, a good deal? Um, and then in 1 Peter 4, uh, it, it's a, just a couple of verses there, and he says, we are to use our gifts to serve others. Um, so for some silly, crazy reason that I don't know why, God chose to use us to deliver his message of love to the world. How silly is that, right? This mixed up bag of people who have all kinds of quirky things. Um, he said, I, I'm going to use you. I'm going I'm to metaphor call you the body of Christ, and I'm going to use you. Or the bride of Christ is another metaphor that is used, and it's your job to go make disciples. Uh, probably not the best business plan, but it works when we, as followers of Jesus, know how we are gifted and how we are to work with each other. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 2.10 that we, us, are God's masterpiece. It's plural there. We are created to walk in good works, which he planned a long time ago. So all of us together and individually, God has planned good works for us to do. So if he's planned them, <clears throat> it's kind of an important thing for us to <laughs> excuse me, figure out what those works are. Um, there's a quote by a guy named uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy, and he says this, um, 
Your life's objective is to develop mastery in and fully express your unique ability. There's nothing more important to master. There's nothing more important to dedicate yourself to. It's your work. It's your life's work. And if you don't do it, no one else. I, I had this quote at the beginning of this series, and I thought I'd bring it back again just to remem- remind us it's your job to develop you. You have gifts and abilities. It's your job to figure out what they are and then improve and grow in those things. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody. Um, For all you teenagers out here, uh, your parents aren't going to do it. (laughs) You got to do it. It's the church's job to equip you, though, That's our job, especially as we see in Ephesians 4, certain people, certain gifts like pastors and evangelists and prophets and and apostles, that's our job is to equip you. So we're here to help you, but in the end, it's your job to figure these things out. So that's why we're talking about spiritual gifts, because we want to equip you, we want to help you so that you can do what God has called you to do. And for us, a spiritual gift is a God-given, unique capacity which is given to each believer for the purpose of releasing a Holy Spirit-empowered ministry, either in a situation or to be repeated again and again. This is from Dr. Robert Clinton in his (coughs) book um, uh, about spiritual gifts. And so last week we began talking about the different spiritual gifts and Um, Dr. Clinton and others have put spiritual gifts in three categories, and so we're going to follow that suit. So there's love gifts, and there's word gifts, and there's power gifts. We're talking about word gifts right now. Uh, Word gifts clarify the nature and action and the purpose of God. So you see that through teaching, encouragement, uh, apostleship, leading, shepherding, evangelism. Love gifts manifest the love of God in a practical way. And then power gifts demonstrate the power, presence, and the reality of God. And so, as I said last week, we began talking about the word gifts. And so we're going to continue that. We talked last week about teaching, encouraging, and apostleship. So I want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week's, if you weren't here, because um, one of the things that we want you to do, part of this process is uh, there's, there's a... Um, process of discernment. What gifts do we have? And so I'm, I'm avoiding, as I said last week, I'm avoiding spiritual gifts tests because sometimes they can be faulty and I want us to rely on the Holy Spirit. So we're going to teach. We're going to give you time to um, discern. We're, we're, we're going to invite you at the end of the service up front. If you think one of these gifts are, this is who you are, uh, and we'll talk more about that at the end of the service. And then you get involved in our community and people uh, affirm or confirm the gifting that you sense that maybe God has, has placed on you. Sometimes we see the gifting even before you see it. So today we are going to talk about leadership, pastoring or shepherding, and evangelism. So we're going to start by looking at Mark chapter 10. Um, Jesus just crosses, has just crossed the Jordan River back into Judea, so he's probably around Jericho at that time. And 
we hear these words, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Some of us are not far from this when it comes to our relationship with the Lord anyway. So, I mean, it's easy for us to maybe go, yeah, these guys are a little off their rocker. But some of us are are the same way. Some of us, this is the way we responded to our parents when we were younger. Some of uh, us are parents and we go, yeah, our kids do that. Now, but how bold, and imagine, Jesus, I want you to do whatever I I want. Uh, Jesus says, um, what do you want me to do for you? How uh, loving and grace-filled is Jesus, right? He, He could have easily have, you know, ripped them, you know, upside one and down the other with some kind of comment about, you know, Come on, guys, wake up. It's not about you. But he says, he just says, what do you want for me, want me to do for you? So they replied, let one of us sit on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. Uh, in that culture, they understood because they have uh, a, a culture of having a king. We don't understand that here as much in the Western culture because uh, we have uh, elected officials, but when you have a monarch or a king, there, there are seats of power around the king. And they understood that the seat on the right and the seat on the left were seats of power. So when, hey, Jesus goes to his glory, they wanted to be in those seats of power. Um, you know, yay. Uh, Jesus then says, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup Uh, I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Again, I I, I love how Jesus responds um, because he's basically saying, hey hey guys, you don't know what you're really asking for. If I were to give you exactly what you're asking for, um, I I, I don't think he'd make it. And I think that's the way Jesus handles our relationship. When we have our prayer list or the things that we're asking for, I think sometimes we ask for things and Jesus just goes, "Um, you don't know what you're really asking for. Either I've got a better way or if I gave you what you what you're asking for, you would get into a whole bunch of trouble. And of course... These guys being humble as they are, we can. <laughs> um, and Jesus said to them, "You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with," which was the ir- irony, because they were one of the twelve. <laughs> as we see in history, they ended up experiencing exactly what Jesus experience. They were martyred for their faith. They ended up drinking the cup that Jesus drank. Uh, But then Jesus says, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Uh, When the when the ten, okay, (laughs) heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Surprise, surprise, right? I mean, I, you know, my, um, little quirky side thinks that they were indignant because they didn't think to ask, you know. I wish I would have asked for that. 
Um, and then it goes on, Jesus called them together and said, you know uh, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials ex- exercise authority over them. Jesus begins to show them that there's a difference between the Gentiles or the world and the kingdom of God. It, it, it doesn't operate the, the same. And this is important for us as we continue this conversation about gifts because we're talking about leadership here. We're talking about ruling. And in essence, what Jesus is, is saying to them the, the world rules by powering over. They lord over them. They exercise authority over them. They say, I'm in charge, so you obey. And that's not the way the kingdom of God works. Jesus goes on in verse 43 and says, Not so with you. Again, the, the world says, I'm in charge. They lord it over. Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Get that into your brain. That goes so counterculture to our kingdom or to our world today of power over. This is this is called um, what uh, Dave Johnson, who is a pastor that I served under for a while, calls power under. This, this is where you serve. This is not, I'm in charge. This is me coming to you as a leader. I come to you and I go, how can I serve you? How can I help you succeed? Whoever, whoever wants to be first must learn how to be a slave of all. Meaning a slave. Meaning that you... You have nothing for yourself. It's for everybody else. These are strong words, but this is the kingdom of God. Not power over, it's power under. Not I'm in charge, I'm ruling, it's I'm here to serve you. I may have the gift of leadership, I may be in a position of leadership, but I'm, I'm here to serve you. Contrast in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is our standard. Okay, Jesus shows us how to respond to the world. He, he comes in and says, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to serve in such a way that I gave my life for you. That's what leadership looks like in the kingdom of God. That, that's what it means with any of the gifts that we have been talking about and will talk about. We have these gifts, but they're not for me. They're not for me so that I become first or I become all important. They're for me so that I can serve you. It's all about you. And that's upside down to our world. That's the kingdom of God. So, today we're going to talk about um, three gifts. Again, these are word gifts. And the first one we're going to talk about is leadership or ruling. 
And so remember the idea of the upside-down picture of the kingdom of God. It's about serving. It's about power under. So here's our definition for leadership. A person operating with a ruling or leadership gift demonstrates the capacity to exercise influence over a group so as to lead it toward a goal or purpose with a particular emphasis on the capacity to make decisions and keep the group operating together. The central thrust of those who are gifted with leadership is influencing others toward a vision. I want you to grasp that. Now, we find leadership in Romans 12, 8. That's where it's mentioned. And one of the things, the other things I, I am sharing as we go through these gifts is a certainty of definition, meaning how certain are we of the definition that we find here. And the certainty of definition is fair regarding this uh, because this is, this is the only place that the gift of leadership is actually mentioned in Scripture. Now, there are other places where, like in 1 Timothy or 1 Thessalonians, where the, we are given the character qualities or the roles of someone who is in a place of leadership, but it doesn't talk specifically about the gift of leadership. So this, is, this definition has come as a result of, uh, by Dr. Clinton in his book, by lots and lots of research. Now, this vision that we are talking about here, influencing others towards a vision, this vision can come in all shapes and sizes, meaning you can have the gift of leadership and you're leading a small group. Like, let's say you own a business and it's a business of five people and you have the gift of leadership. It could be at that level. Or it could be expansive. Like, again, like Lauren Cunningham, YWAM. He had the gift of leadership. He led a movement that is still impacting the world today. The the key is influencing towards a vision. Leadership is all about the what and the where of an organization, which is really the mission and the vision. So again, the person who has the gift of leadership, they're, they're always thinking mission and vision. They're always thinking about what are we called to do and how do we get to where God wants us to be. And this is crucial. Leaders are the ones whom God speaks to and tells them what the promised land looks like. So it's imperative that those who have the gift of leadership have an intimate relationship with the Father. It's imperative. Our leaders, our gifted leaders, need to know how to be quiet and hear God speak to them for the direction of the organization or the movement that they are leading. Now, with every gift, there's a dark side. And there's a dark side to this gift. And the dark side is manipulation. It's manipulating people to your own agenda. So your, your vision is maybe a good vision, but it bears very little fruit for the kingdom, uh, kingdom of God. So if 
you're around a leader who is leading you on their own vision, then it, it may be good, but it's going to bear very little fruit. We need leaders who are in an intimate relationship with the Father, who take on the posture that I shared from Mark chapter 10 that we just read a few minutes ago. Of they recognize that they're here to serve, to serve the body, to serve whatever organization they're here. It's not power over, it's power under. It's an operation to serve. Now, <clears throat> this is where, if you weren't here last week, um, this is where I going to read a list of things. So I'm gonna, the sentence will start, you might have the gift of leadership if. So what I want you to do is just take, whether focus in, whether it's close your eyes or whatever it may be, I want you to listen to these statements. And if half of them or more are, are yeah, I, I think that's me, just, just take notice of that. Okay, just, just take notice of that. All right? So, close your eyes or whatever works for you to focus in. And Father, before I begin to read these words, I just pray for each person here. Um, speak to them through your Spirit. And raise something up in their spirit if they have the gift of leadership. You may have the gift of leadership if you have an ability to create direction and vision from God for churches or other ministries to grow. You find yourself thinking about the what, mission, and the where, vision, most of the time. You may have the gift of leadership if you're a leader of other leaders who sets direction. You may have the gift of leadership if you organize and build structures that allow lay leaders to reproduce their ministry. You may have the gift of leadership if you train leaders to fill empty positions and clarify their tasks. You may have the gift of leadership if you network with others towards strategic resources. You may have the gift of leadership if you organize skills for developing new ministries and recruiting volunteers. You may have the gift of leadership if you see what needs to be done and clarify the critical path to do it. You may have the gift of leadership if you always seem to be put into positions where you are leading. Most of these phrases are focused on ministry in the church, but some of these, you may have the gift of leadership and it may be functioning in a business, and, and that's, that's okay, that's, that's part of this. So just, um, yeah, allow it. If, if you think you might have leadership, just kind of, okay, because I'm going to come back to it at the end of the service. The second gift we're going to talk about this morning is pastoring or shepherding. The pastoral gift is the capacity to exercise concern and care for members of a group so as to encourage them in their growth in Christ, which involves modeling maturity, protecting them from error, and disseminating truth. 
This gift is listed primarily in Ephesians chapter 4, 11, and the central thrust is caring for the growth of followers. Now, there's a strong certainty around the definition because not only is it listed in Ephesians chapter 4 and 11, but the pastoral shepherding uh, metaphor is used all throughout Scripture, uh, and it's often used of, of Jesus. So we get an idea of what that shepherding looks like. Um, People who have the shepherding, pastoring gift have an overriding concern for the health and growth of people who are followers of Jesus. This, this may be, you, you may be in a situation where small groups, you, you have a tendency to be one who is leading and facilitating small groups, or you may be one who, you, you just, when you're around a group of people, you care about them deeply. This works even in a family situation because even within a family, you can tell somebody who has a shepherding gift versus somebody who doesn't. Not that the person who doesn't doesn't care for their family, but it just plays out differently. Words that are associated with the pastoring shepherding gift are concern, care, modeling, personal responsibility, welfare, All of these words are person-centered, are relationship qualities. I just want want you to get that picture. Think Psalms 23. Notice the shepherd. What does he do? Makes me lie down in green pastures. Rest. Here, here, you need to rest. Leads me beside quiet waters. Refreshes your soul. Guides you along right paths. Even through the darkest valley, you don't have any fear because your shepherd is walking with you. That's a pastor, a shepherd. They long to walk alongside of others. Now, it is some of you in this room have the gift of pastoring or shepherding, and you may not have the title pastor. They don't, they don't go together. They can go together, but they don't go together. It, it isn't just pastors that have pastory shepherding gifts. There are many of you that already are shepherds. Here's the dark side, or when you operate in the flesh. Um, your caring for the people has more to do with making you feel better than it does serving others. Okay, it's all about your ego. I have this flock. I am watching over them. I am protecting them. Now, we're going to do the same thing we did with leadership. I'm going to say, you might have the gift of pastoring if. So, listen. Close your eyes, whatever works for you. You might have the past gift of pastoring if people usually look to you to make decisions. You might have the gift of pastoring if people feel, uh, feel you have authority in things concerning spiritual matters. You might have the gift of pastoring if you are usually picked as a leader in committees, small groups, or meetings. 
You might have the gift of pastoring if you seem to influence the action of groups by what you teach. You may have the gift of pastoring if you have the ability to maintain order and discipline among people. You may have the gift of pastoring if you structure your ministry so people grow in relationships, building experiences of unity. You may have the gift of pastoring if you see the problems of a group that you are relating to and accept responsibility to help them through it. You might have the gift of pastoring if you care for the growth of the followers of Jesus. Now again, take, and if you, you said yes to many of those, half or more, then just, hey, you, you may have the gift of pastoring. Now, there's something I need to touch on as we looked at leadership and pastoring these two gifts, because in the church, the modern-day church, um, we have given a person that provides leadership over a church the title pastor. It's an umbrella term for a number of leadership roles and so we have a pastor of that. We, we have a senior pastor, or, and we have a pastor of this, or a pastor that. We, we just throw out that title, pastor. Now, many people who have the gift of leadership also have the title of pastor, yet don't necessarily have the gift of pastoring. Let, let me say that again so you get that. Many people who have the gift of leadership also have the title of pastor, yet do not necessarily have the gift of pastoring or shepherding. And this creates a problem. This is why we create, it creates a problem. We want the pastor to do everything. Okay? We want a pastor who is a visionary leader. They're ready to move us as a movement forward. We want a pastor who's going to express vision and mission and keep us on task and lead us. We also want a pastor to walk alongside us and shepherd us and hold our hand. And most pastors don't have both gifting. So, people get frustrated. Pastor gets frustrated. You see, a pastor cares about the well-being of the group of people that they are around. A leader cares about a movement of people. Pastor wants to gather the flock and care for them. The leader says, We're going that way. Let's go. This is something that I personally have wrestled with most of my life in this role of being a pastor. You see, I would say that my gifting is leadership. I am thinking mission and vision all the time. I'm thinking, how do we get this church moving forward? 
That, that is why when I first came, one of the first things we did is we talked about core values, we talked about mission, we talked about vision, and we said, we're going, boom, we're moving forward. I'm not gifted as a pastor. Now, that doesn't mean I don't care for people. I have learned over time the skills of a pastor. But when, when I'm, in, I'm just, this is total transparency here. When I'm doing work in my office, my thought process is more about the movement of this body than it is individual people and caring for their growth. So what do we do with this kind of stuff? This, again, is why we're the body. Just because I carry the umbrella title of pastor doesn't mean I need to do everything. Now, I need to to perform the role of the gifting of the pastor, that skill set, because that's what's expected here to a certain certain level. But I'm at my best when I'm functioning in a leadership role of working with elders, working with staff, casting vision and saying, this is the direction we need to go. Now again, as I said earlier, there's many of you in this room who are gifted pastors. What needs to happen is we need to get you gifted pastors around a small group of people where you can... Lead them beside quiet waters where you can walk with them through the dark valley. That's that's how the body works. Okay, I'm going to move on to our last gift for this morning. Evangelism. Uh, The gift of evangelism in general refers to the capacity to challenge people through various communicative communicative methods, persuasion, to receive the gospel of salvation in Christ so as to see them respond by taking initial steps in Christian discipleship. We find this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. There are many good illustrations of the gift of, of evangelism that we see in the book of Acts, the central thrust here is in introducing others to the gospel. Now here's an interesting thing, because again, Paul tells us that we are all called to do the work of an evangelist. So just because we have people who are gifted evangelists doesn't mean we're off the hook. Okay, It's just like me. Just because I don't have the gift of pastoring doesn't mean I'm off the hook. I need to care for the growth of the people here. So too, we all need to do the work of an evangelist, but we all need to do it together and recognize that there are some people, and they figure about 10% of the population, Christian population, have the gift of evangelism. And these people, you know some people who are evangelists, right? You know people that they... They just love going and talking to people about Jesus. And when they do, they have this uncanny ability to lead people to the Lord. It's just crazy. This gift is a gift of proclamation. 
It's the gift of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Leslie Flynn, a pastor and a writer, he writes this, the word gospel comes from two Greek words, well or good, and announcement. So well announcement or good announcement. Thus the gospel is a beneficial announcement or good news. What is the good news? What is the announcement that we are all to make and proclaim, but evangelists are gifted at? Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. That Jesus Christ came and showed us what God is like by coming to earth and living here on earth. And he died for our sins over 2,000 years ago. He was buried, rose again on the third day. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Whatever. His death and resurrection reconciled us in our relationship with God. And God declares you and me righteous, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because of that, the good news is that I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven. I'm adopted into his family. He has given me the Holy Spirit, which resides into me, in me today. And I am part of his kingdom now and forevermore. I'm just going to be honest with you. That was a little disappointed in the response there. I mean, <laughs> this is the best news ever. There is no other news in our world that we can hear that's better than this. And there's some of you who have an uncanny ability to share and proclaim that news. And... We, the church, need evangelists. We need, we need everybody. We need evangelists. The dark side of an evangelist, when they operate in the flesh, is they pressure people to pray a prayer. And it's all about getting a notch in their evangelistic gun. It again becomes about self. Where an evangelist responding by the Holy Spirit just goes, proclaims the good news, and recognizing, recognizes that the Holy Spirit is the one that does the changing. So, again, let's see who has the gift of evangelism here. You may have the gift of evangelism if you have the ability to preach the gospel to strangers. You may have the gift of evangelism if you introduce people to Christ in both small or large groups or with individuals. You may have the gift of evangelism if you feel have an intense sense of unrest with the thought of people being lost for eternity. You may have the gift of evangelism if you have freedom and joy in talking about Christian themes in a bold way. You may have the gift of evangelism if people actually make discipleship commitments as a direct result of your influence. You may have the gift of evangelism if you pray for the lost and see them come to Christ on a regular basis. You may have the gift of evangelism if your prayer time focuses on unsaved people or people groups. 
You may have the gift of evangelism if you have the ability to insert truth into normal conversations with the unsaved. You may have the gift of evangelism if you have the ability to make friends easily. Now, as we conclude today, I'm going to ask our worship team to come forward. And I also ask any of our elders and their wives to come forward too. Uh, here's, here's what we're doing. We did this last Sunday and we're going to do it again today. If you feel like one of those gifts, leadership, pastoring, or evangelism, is a gift you may think you have, the first step is we want you to come forward, share what gift that you think you have with, with our elders and their wives as they're standing up here. Um, they're they're going to pray with you by laying hands on you, and they're going to anoint you with oil. Now, the reason why we're doing this is that laying on hands is used multiple times in the New Testament. And um, Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy where he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There's something powerful about laying on of hands. I don't fully understand it, but it's there. So we want to lay hands on you. Anointing of oil was used often to anoint priests for their responsibility and to set them apart as being holy. It was also to anoint kings and to set them apart and to set them in holy. So we, we are in essence, when we anoint you with oil, if you have the gift of, uh, of pastoring, we're, like, we're saying we're, we're setting you apart for the gift of pastoring. Now, once, once this is done today, um, then you... Uh, will leave here and begin to have a conversation with God about, hey, I sense that pastoring might be my gift. Confirm that in me. And then look for opportunities to care for people. Or if it's evangelism, look for opportunities that God may give for you to proclaim the good news. Or leadership, look for opportunities where you can help in leading. Now, th- this this is for teenagers as well as it is for adults. So for any of, your te- any of you teens, if you felt like any one of these things, we, we want you to come forward. Also, parents of little kids, um, watch your kids. Pay attention to your kids because you may see something in your kids as you move forward. So, um, yeah. They're here. You guys can start playing. Um, again, I, I appreciate these folks because, um, you know, the fear, fearless leader is in here today. And sometimes you, I, I told them beforehand, sometimes you get so used to depending on Eric, who's such an amazing worship leader, that, you know, it's an opportunity to step out. So that's why I appreciate them being here. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to come forward. If you come forward, just come to one of these and, and they'll pray with you. Um, if if it, this isn't your gift, just take a few minutes in your seat and just pray for the people coming forward. Pray, and then in a few minutes we will dismiss you. All right. So let's pray. Father, um, thank you for the gift of leadership and pastoring and evangelism. And I pray for those who um, 
are here this morning and maybe have that inkling that, hey, that may be me. I I pray that you uh, would give them boldness just to come forward. And I pray that you would anoint them with your Holy Spirit and empower them for the work that you've called them to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.